There we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to First Team America, Patriot Network by Patriots for Patriots across all sides of the aisle and from all walks of life. Today is September 22nd. I've got a great guest uh, on board here, Matt Kubler, and uh, we've got a good show for you guys tonight. Again, as you all know and listen to my podcast, there's no frills. It's nothing like that. There's no polished thing. I don't make any money on this thing. Um, I'm just putting out stuff that I think people need to hear or want to hear and bringing on guests that are talking the real deal and, uh, uh, you know, just bringing up stuff that everyday people can relate to. You know, one of the things that has happened this week, it's been about two weeks since my last podcast, been taking a little breather, coming back up for air, all kinds of stories hitting in the news, especially with all types of different violent incidents all around the country. It's as if a memo got circulated somehow through the courts that we were going to start releasing violent felons. And what happens when you release violent felons that just committed crimes recently, they go back out and do it again. So it's amazing to see, and it's terrible to see the toll it's taking on America. Just locally, we've had several incidents of violent felons being released and are back out doing some more assaulting and murdering. Unbelievable. The other thing I want to talk about a little bit here is that, you know, we're, uh, I just saw an article in that, uh, this article just hit the news. It was talking about an FBI agent who they declared as going AWOL because he refused to go on a uh, January 6th trumped up raid. He said he's not doing it, and they declared him AWOL and uh, suspended him. Um, we'll get into some of that with Matt, his take on that. But ultimately, I think what, what everyday Americans like myself are looking at, we're looking at selective enforcement and being pushed forward to release these violent people out into society where it was never really like that before. I, I think things are really going to skew. Um, where it goes, we don't know, but we're losing a lot of good guys on the force. You know, people like myself, we support law and order and we, we, uh, the system only works, works because good people are doing the right things and uh, hats off to our law, law enforcement officers that are out there day and night and still believe in the job that they're doing. It's a it's a tough road to slog at this point, and uh, we pray for your safety. Anyway, I want to get to my guest, Matt Kubler. Uh, you guys probably know Matt from his podcast, Two Dates in a Dash. You can find him at mattkubler.com, C-U-B-B-L-E-R. And uh, Matt, I'm going to let you just give us a brief bio. you got a pretty extensive background in law enforcement and military and all kinds of stuff. So welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, brother. It's always good to spend time with you. I enjoy our conversations. There's uh, always a lot of meat on the bone that we can get after, and uh, neither of us truly shy away from that um, on any stretch of the imagination, so I'm sure this will be fun. Absolutely. So, me. It's not, uh, I'm not, I'm not Chuck Norris, but I'm, but I'm not Fred Flintstone. So, I'm, I'm somewhere in between. I have, uh, I'm 51 years old. I'll be retiring in 278 days from for 29 and a half year career. Um, most of it I'm proud of, and uh, most of it I'm, I'm happy I did. Not all of it. There's, there's been some gray down areas, but uh, for the most part, I'm happy. I did four years Army intelligence, active duty. I'm a Persian Gulf War veteran. Um, grew up in outside of Philadelphia. And uh, after 9-11, the highlight of my police career, well, I guess if on paper it looks that way, is I was uh, one of the few thousand selected after 9-11 to be hired as a United States Federal Air Marshal. Um, at the time, that felt like a really big accomplishment. And it really is when you think yeah. about it. But when the job 
played itself out over the four years and three months I was in, I realized that once again, the, the bait and switch happened and the federal government, which you want to believe is going to do the right thing and create um, layers of security and success for their, their agents and the citizens just did a little switcheroo and we became more or less window dressing for the flying public to make them feel good about flying again. Um, it didn't really have anything to do with towards the end, towards counterterrorism of my time there. Um, it became more about, you know, we, I, I felt like we were mannequins in a storefront window for the most part. So that's my career. I'm very proud to be an American, proud of, of the service I provided, but I'm not always proud of the, the way our government has treated um, law enforcement. And I'm certainly been disappointed in the way a lot of our, our citizens have treated law enforcement, especially in the most recently in the last five or six years since say, we'll say Ferguson. And, uh, you know, it's, it's getting a little bit, a little bit better, I think, because I think there's some awakening going on amongst some people that maybe would have been emotionally drawn into that conversation and, and pick the side that was more of an emotional side versus a factual side. Now there's more people that are, are pulling out of that emotional realizing they've been manipulated and, and are looking at things a little bit more of a critical thinking mindset and with a little bit more fact-based um, evidentiary um, decision-making before they jump to uh, conclusions on many different topics when it involves law enforcement. You think people actually are, are waking up, Matt, and believe that they, you know, are realizing they were manipulated or, I mean, it's kind of hard to believe that this, this president actually got that many votes, which I don't believe at all. And, uh, and I, I think people have, are having buyer's remorse at this point with watching, uh, you know, they're all of the people that, that supposedly voted for this guy, uh, are now receiving, uh, you know, $5 gas that we had before, which has only dropped slightly. Uh, food prices are going through the roof. I would say inflation, inflation's closer to 30% on certain things. Um, you know, we got a war with Russia, uh, or not a war happening yet, but the encroachment on Russia. And all kinds of things that nobody respects this idiot. And I, I kind of think this thing with the, the war on the cops started under Obama's term. Remember when the, that one college thing and the cop? Trayvon pers- Martin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, yeah, not yeah. Trayvon. The, the, the college professor where, where Obama yep, came right out and said the cops acted yeah. stupidly. You remember that before he had any facts? Yep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that 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 didn't I mean, at the at that point, it was that was almost like, uh, you know, when there's there's chum in the water a little bit. It, it, yeah. It, everything that, that, that the left does is a slow you know, they do the slow trickle effect. Nothing is 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 huge splashes. It's, it's you know, 70 years of a grip. Right. Death by a thousand cuts. And yes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that clearly was was one of the seminal moments where they started to gauge temperature of the mm-hmm. public to see how they'd respond to something that would be incendiary in its if it were true. Yeah, um, but then you come to find out it wasn't true, um, and that that's just the way things tend to roll when it comes to law enforcement. That you know, now listen, I am for for my twenty nine and a half years of law enforcement when it's done in two hundred seventy eight days, not that I'm counting. I am very critical of law enforcement. I'm not a, I'm not your typical toe the blue line, defend at all costs guy. I'm a, I, I'm an own your shit guy. I think everybody needs to have um, some level of ownership and their complicity in, in any situation or problem. So, and I like to analyze those things and look at them from a realistic 
critical thinking point of view. So I don't, I don't get on one side or the other too extreme. If cop fucks up, I call it out. Right. If he didn't, I try to explain how. Sure. Um, you know, I, I just had a literally a, an hour and a half conversation today with a, uh, a young man who I, I don't know. He's not like a friend. We're, we're 20 years apart in age. But he's from the town I grew up in, and we know each other. We've known each other for a long time since he was a young high school player, a basketball player, and I was a cop. And he's half white, half black. And I put a post up about Trayvon Martin. Not no, I can now Trayvon Martin's in my head about George Floyd and this young man who was uh, killed by run over by the other white guy who thought he was a, a MAGA Republican. Yeah. Um, and ran him over and killed him. And it, I post things on, I'm only on Instagram and it's a private account. So please don't follow me. I won't let you, but <laughs> I post for the few people that are on my Instagram page since I'm banned from every other social media platform. Um, I post intentionally. So when I posted that, I didn't put in, I didn't write any words or anything. I just posted it. And I wanted to see who was going to be emotionally responsive and he was emotionally responsive and and i explained to him that um because he wanted to argue the merits of of the the incident with george floyd and i said i'm not arguing what the cops did were wrong yes even though i don't think chauvin killed him i still believe their techniques and tactics and intentions were wrong i i believe george floyd was dying that day from a fentanyl overdose whether whether he was sitting in the back of a car in a drive drive through at a McDonald's or on the ground with the cops knee on his back. He was dying that day from the fentanyl, not from the actions of the police. Although I do believe George, I mean, uh, that uh, Chauvin is a piece of shit, has no business being a cop, and I'm happy he's in jail. And yeah. I try to open his eyes to my, my non-emotional view of this. And I tried to explain to him how I'm not emotional. And I said, in 30 years almost of doing this, I've seen so many violent and vile things that if I got emotionally triggered by every one of them, I would not be good at my job. Right. I'm able to, to detach myself from most things like that if I don't have a personal connection to it. It's not that I don't have empathy for the person who may have lost somebody, but I don't have an, a personal connection to it. So I don't invest any emotional capital into it. I right. simply look at it as a... A, a problem that needs to be solved. So these are all things that that I am critical of with law enforcement because we end up getting caught up in this emotional conversation that really just should be fact based when in its in its context. And you can't argue fact with somebody who's arguing emotions. Exactly. It's like a Chinese person and a Russian person arguing. Sure. You, you know, you brought the the Floyd thing. Sure, was a shocker, but. And, and I didn't agree with the tactics that were used in the duration of that uh, uh, arrest of, of Neil and on felt he should have been put on his side, but, but, you know, he put himself in that position. That's ultimately he's responsible. Now the bad training side, oh, no doubt. absolutely should be addressed. But, the, but what happened after that, you know, is, is the biggest thing. And, and I'd like you to speak to that. You know, everybody watched the lawlessness. In fact, there were agent provocateurs in the crowd. Do you remember the one white guy that was caught by smashing some of the people? Windows. Yeah, that was smashing windows and had the stuff on. I was sitting there going, wait a minute. This, they caught this guy trying to start it. And then from there it grew. 
And then the cops were told to stand down. And then we flash forward to um, what, what city was it? Seattle or Portland where Antifa had firebombed the police station with the cops in it, you know, attacking the federal courthouse, set up an autonomous zone, handing out firearms. And I have not heard of uh, only but a few people arrested for that. That was attempted murder on cops and, and hardly few anybody was charged in that. That was a totally weird thing. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? So I have, I have, um, lots of thoughts. First and foremost, I will lead with, there is no, um, there's no argument for lawlessness. Right. Number one. Number two, we don't live in a country where the government, not the country, but the government of the United States has any intention of wielding a sword of fairness. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't spend a whole lot of time trying to decipher why one thing was handled one way and one was handled another way, because I already know that answer because that's the way they wanted to handle it. Right. And it's with intention and it was meant to create disruption and chaos in our uh, social fabric mm-hmm. to create confusion amongst people who are emotionally charged and to create um, a distraction for the nefarious things that they did after those riots leading up to November 2020. So I, I don't spend a lot of time having too deep a conversation about comparing the two or multiple different similar situations because I know for a fact that none of those situations are in a vacuum. Right. They are all connected and how the, the federal government, the Department of Justice especially responds and then prosecutes or doesn't prosecute is based solely on policy. Absolutely. Driven by the top. So here's an incident that happened. Let's we'll put aside the Portland. I totally agree with you and uh, and understand your points on that because that was selective and as part of that overall theme that I think felt uh, manufactured. But let's let's rewind a bit. Remember when there was a siege at the White House and they were attacking the fences and attack, attacking cops and wounding cops and they almost were getting through the fence. I don't recall anybody with named in the press of getting arrested for that, you know, and I think, I I think the, the rules of engagement on that was anybody that got through the fence was getting shot. And I bet that that's what these, these organizers wanted. They wanted bloodshed inside the fences of the white house to, to inflame even more. I do, I do think that this is part of an effort to um, create dissension, to create controversy. And again, all of our listeners know, that uh, we don't promote violence in any form and fashion. I'm a law and order supporter, pro-government, pro-constitution, but I won't side on, on, the, on behalf or protect uh, corruption within our government agencies and whatnot, local, state, and federal, that we, we need to have law and order and it needs to be impartial. But what we witnessed with the, uh, and I spoke with people that were working there that night, and uh, it, was, it was absolutely insane. Remember, they tried to set the church on fire as well. Uh, you talk, want to talk about lawlessness. Matt, speak to this. What are your thoughts? We saw the January 20th thing. You and I have talked a little bit on this before. What is your take on 
the actual Capitol Police opening up the doors and almost encouraging people to come in, but yet others are, you know, you've got your Antifa provocateurs, you've got probably got your feds that are trying to instigate the crowd because what they wanted to do was not have the chance for the Congress to decertify the state's elections. What's your take on the Capitol Police, especially when we see the videos opening the doors up, it appears? So I, I have many thoughts on, on I'll, I'll approach it from a couple different angles. Number one, um, I was very vocal on when I was allowed on social media, my YouTube channel, on Facebook, Facebook Lives, talking about my thoughts on the election and how I don't believe it was legitimate. Um, whether, whether it's, whether we want to, and, and I, I don't argue about it anymore because it's never going, even if we, we pulled out every single person who was involved in the fraud and they admitted to it, they would still not admit that it was actually happened. So I don't, I stopped putting energy into it. Yeah. I'll just leave it in the fact that I don't believe it was legitimate. Right. Um, I believe, um, I was recruited. Not, I don't believe it. I was. So I was uh, on a lot of different um, platforms on Facebook and groups on Facebook. And I got messaged by someone who I had been following him and I felt there was just something not legitimate about him. And I was, I was following to see if I could figure out who he is because who he is, who he says he was, is not who he was. Um, and he just felt very fake in the storytelling that he was coming up with his backstory. I'm an expert in body language and I was just watching his videos. I'm going, man, something doesn't feel right about this guy. Right. So he sends me a message on, in, on Facebook and we start to talk. And um, I have another buddy of mine who's um, not a, not law enforcement, wasn't prior military, just a very sharp guy and an expert in human behavior and body language. And he had been following this guy too. And same guy reached out to him just oddly enough without either of us knowing it. Huh. He reached out to both of us. So, and he wanted us to join this signal, the, the chat room group uh, with him. And then there was a bunch of people that he didn't know on this group. And they're talking about organizing a group to go to January 6th and storm the Capitol building. And I'm like privately talking to my buddy. I'm like, dude, this is bad juju. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not participating in this. So they tried to get me to give information about myself. I said, no offense. I don't know any of you fucks. Um, <laughs> I don't give a shit. You may be, you know, the greatest people on the planet, but I don't, I don't do this. This isn't how I operate. Good luck. My buddy didn't pull out of that group, but he was, he's not, he never did go to the Capitol building. He went to DC for the speech, but he never went to the Capitol. So he met with these guys at the back of the area where Trump was speaking, was about to speak. I didn't even come out to speak yet. And they're like all dressed in black, militant black, black hoods, MAGA hats, backpacks. Oh. And they're like, all right, we're going up to the Capitol. He's like, wait a second, I'm here to see Trump. They're like, no, fuck that. The action's at the Capitol. We're going to storm the Capitol. Everybody's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm out. So they disappear and never to be heard of again. Social media is disappeared. Nothing. These guys, wow. their phone numbers are disconnected. Nothing exists anymore on these guys. So there's no doubt in my mind they were federal agents um, trying to incite people to do stuff. Yeah. It's the way it felt to me. It, it, it felt very, really bad undercover police work. <laughs> yeah. So 
I, I'm glad I, my, my spider senses said stop. Yeah. Um, and I did not go to DC, although I got accused of being down there, but I never did go down there. I was actually working that day. <laughs> yeah. But there, there were people who were trying to um, spread rumors that I was down there doing that stuff. But um, so I have that angle of it so that I'm, I'm confirming your agent provocateur thing where I, I believe the federal government. And I mean, it's pretty much been substantiated that there were if not federal agents, there were people who were, um, whether it's confidential informants or paid yeah. participants by the federal government. To well, they've got and, and... they've got that green beret. I'm trying to get on the sh uh, show, Jeremy Brown. You saw that where yep. uh, the FBI showed up at his door. He's got him on his ring camera, and then he recorded uh, him sitting down at uh, at a restaurant, and they were actually recruiting him and almost kind of. Uh, you know, telling them they'd keep harassing him if he didn't go along with what they wanted. Um, so we know they did that. Let me, here's another thing though, too. And your, you know, your background on the intelligence side of it. Is it, is it even conceivable in any shape or form that whether it was Benghazi and all of the militants planning the attack on the annex with cell phones and e emails that we missed that, and then we somehow missed the planning and coordination and communication of Antifa, which was illegally moving rioters across state lines with the intent to riot and, and commit mayhem. And then the election. And, and again, I know you don't want to dig into that because you've dug a lot. I have too with the cyber. We know in cyber in computers, there's always a debt. There's always a trail. There's always something showing whether it was access, whether it wasn't. Thanks, thanks to Snowden for that. Is it, how is it, Matt? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it, it seems that they missed this stuff, but yet they're going after this stuff down here, this tiny little stuff. I think everything is known, just whether everything is acted upon is, is based on mission priority. Right. So I don't think, I think, and I, I mean, back, I was a second guy, so we intercepted um, back then. It was you know, mostly... Um, radio transmissions, but mm -hmm. um, there was at the end of my time some satellite stuff that we were doing and um, intercepting frequencies from like the SAM units that are getting activated. You know, they throw off a signal. We knew when a, a Russian SA 7 battalion was doing exercises because they would be, we'd track them, their movement, but also knowing when they were going to launch a rocket and the direction of the rocket and all that kind of stuff. So there isn't anything that isn't collected. Right. It's just whether or not someone is tasked with looking. So finding Ob Osama bin Laden wasn't the problem, just wanting to find and when they wanted to find Osama bin Laden. There's no doubt in my mind that we knew where we, we can know where everyone is at any given time, especially now. Yes. Maybe not when I was in in 89 to 93, but today there isn't anybody that isn't trackable at every moment of their life. Right. There isn't anything. I mean, the simplest way to prove that is we talk about things and then five minutes later, it's in our timeline. Yeah. Right. So everything is collected. Everything is put in an algorithm. Everything is analyzed. Right. Whether or not somebody's looking at it is the is ultimately what the question is. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that. Um, first of all, I know that nothing is coincidental. Number one. Number two, there couldn't be coincidentally even if there were coincidences, this many monumentally um, directional changing for our, our, our 
world happening this many things in a row. Yes. Since 2018 or 2017, 2016, like there's, there's been so many unbelievably going on that where everybody goes, fuck, or holy shit, that how many of those happen in sequential order? And then each one led to the next. Like that doesn't happen. It just, exactly. I'm a conspiracy theorist. I've been a conspiracy theorist my whole life. I've always been very intrigued by the unanswerable riddles, uh, prime, JFK's, whatever. I mean, fuck, I, I was always interested in a Lindbergh baby kidnapping, like shit like that. I've always sure. felt that there was unanswered questions. If there are unanswered questions, I dig into it. So I do believe... Um, I believe, and, I, and you know, if you listen to Manning Johnson, have you ever heard of Manning Johnson? No, sir. No. You should listen to him. Manning Johnson was a, a, an African-American man in the 40s and 50s who um, became disenfranchised with America and became a communist. And then quickly realized, not quickly, but over time realized that communism was simply, was the reason why slavery exists, was the reason why black people are down, was the reason why, like, Communism was the enemy of the black man. And he realized this and he gave a really, his last speech was in 1959. And it's a brilliant speech. It's on YouTube. Um, and it really shines a lot of light on what we're going through. And there's a guy, and I can't remember his name. There was a video that was floating around YouTube and Facebook from that early 60s talking about communism, how communism would, would permeate through America. And it was an American guy talking about it, but he referenced Manning Johnson. Um, and, uh, I think if you do Manning Johnson communism, that video will pop up too on YouTube, but, uh, it, it literally is talking about today. And so, and then if you deconstruct our country, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that actually America ceased being a constitutional republic in, in the 1860s and became the beginning of an oligarchy. And we are now living in a, a we're no different than russia when it comes to who's in power exactly um, and you know if you go back to you know america after the civil war we were bankrupt you know yep if morgan bailed us out twice you know private money you know if you think about who owned what and how the expansion of our country happened out whether it was south or to the midwest to the west it all went through private equity people Mm -hmm. There wasn't a government component. So it was all done through government partnership with private entities. And those private entities gained more power and more power and power, whether it's um, Rockefeller or Morgan or Carnegie or, or whomever. They, they were literally the most powerful people in the world at that time. And you know, then we go into World War I and the Bolshevik Revolution and American industrial revolution component to it and how both these all these rich oligarchs were had uh, hands in europe whether it's yep. ford who was funneling money into the germans and paying building their trucks as well as building our trucks you know all these these brilliant businessmen slash oligarchs were controlling outcomes and creating reasons to have outcomes exactly through their through their power and influence in the american government and it began a pattern that I believe has been going on and been replayed over and over again. But the one thing that the government and, and the left, the deep state, the whatever you want to call them, 
whatever they've been for the last 90 years, they don't need to change the blueprint because no one's ever fucking stopped it. Yeah, exactly. Until Trump. When Trump came in as, a, as an equal, right? As an oligarchical level person. Yep. And said, I'm going to not be that. And I'm going to insert myself into a, uh, a servant mindset. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to be Donald Trump's friend. I don't even think I would like the guy in person. I don't know if he's my kind of guy. Right. And I actually think he's a, he's a, a narcissistic egomaniac. Yeah. But I also know that that is what makes him great. His desire to not fail, his desire to be loved, and his desire to be the greatest. So he will do whatever is necessary to feed that monster that's his ego. And that's why I voted for him. But I said early on, I was, I mean, I was a Ben Carson guy. He was my guy. Me too. Uh, Me too. I believe, I believe if you can do surgery in someone's womb and do a heart surgery, you can be the president of the United States. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> step down. But yeah, that's, I, I do believe that there has been a, um, a concerted effort and it's continuing. And I think it's actually manifesting itself in its final form now with the current government and with the influence coming in from the WEF and we can talk about the oh, yeah. the UN and, and sure. talk about all of that and how I believe this was all, these are all chess moves that created this opportunity for today. And I believe in the next four months, there will be boots on the ground in Ukraine, American troops in Ukraine before January 1st, where we are going to um, actively engage in conflict with Russians. That's what I believe. Wow. Wow. It's the next, it's the next final step. Yeah. It's, it's like NATO has been hell bent on encroaching on Russia. I explained this, my, my thoughts on this are, you know, look how the sixties with, with Kennedy, when Russia was putting nukes in Cuba, how we reacted, how we were inflamed, we were angry and rightfully so. And what has happened for the past 30, 50 years, we've been ever encroaching upon Russia and the nukes. And then the biolab story broke. We'll get into the Biden's corruption here. But, you know, and I don't doubt that. I think that's that's a I, I can see where you're coming from with that prediction of the boots on the ground. It's like the people are saying no, but the globalist elitists have to have a war because economic calamity is almost in every nation with the endless printing. And when Sri Lanka was kind of like the thing that really woke me up that, okay, they're starting to that's the test bed. It's going to spread from there. And then this effort to distract people with the war. Meanwhile, the inflation rates are running high, so they're stealing everybody's earning earned income. You know, inflation's theft by the government and the banks. Um, and it's it's almost like it's a it's a controlled and planned implosion. But I really do I really do think that this thing with Russia, they were contained. You know, if you think about the the Syria effort, Russia wasn't really fully they they had relations with with Assad. But they really, and they had some some bases there, but they weren't like what they are now, that Obama and them basically incentivized Russia to go to Syria and expand their operations. And the same thing they're doing with China, except they, they've paid for this idiot, this uh, uh, imposter as a president, to uh, get all the secrets and compromise people and sell out. And, and thing, and then I'll, I'll get on this other point here, basically the way I look at governments around the world at this point, Matt, is that whether it's communism, fascism, democracy, or whatever, they're all like their own little gangs. And what we're witnessing really is a globalized, different cartels battling it out at this point. Because the nationals, the, they have no allegiance to any nation. It seems it's it's more a uh, pillaging 
and whichever cartel can control resources and things like that, it seems those are the guys that are fighting it out. But yet now they got to throw everybody's best to bravest uh, to go die in some country for what are the gains at this point? Agreed. So talk a bit about, you know, I agree with what you said that this, this doesn't happen by accident. And I, and I bring this up years about, oh, back in 2015 or 2014, I was working on a bid for an emergency management uh, state agency. And guess what was on that bid? Children's blankets, bottles, toys, TVs, playpens, showers, uh, food, uh, classrooms. And every state was basically putting together a plan back then to be able to uh, take in this unknown influx of people. Think about how far back that was from today's age. It's about seven years. And look where we are today with this immigration crisis. You know, one of my guests, Mike McCormick, had written that when Biden visited, it was either, you know, like what I forget what they call them down there, the triangle of something, Honduras, Nicaragua, and uh, another country. But anyway, he had made a deal with them supposedly that, you know, when he was president or, you know, to incentivize the uh, uh, illegal immigration up to the states. I can only think that that's not good for anybody, including the people that are coming here illegally. And I would imagine that you've seen it in your time in the past couple of years in your own little town, in your town, that you've seen some of those people, or, or when I say those people, illegal immigrants being shoved in the communities and most of the communities don't have the assets to even accept them, but yet they're being forced on the people. Are you seeing some of that too? Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I've definitely seen, we have obviously the areas where they are waiting to be picked up to go to work or, or whatever, you know, there's, yeah. there's people that'll, they're 15, used to be four or five. Now there's 15 or 20 that are waiting to get work that day. And, right. You know, the, the landscapers, the, the stonemasons, the whatever that are looking for some, some cheap labor will they know where the pickup points are and they grab guys and give them day work and you know that's that's part of the deal i i think i it's so i think we most people will end up getting lost in the weeds when they try to dive into any one topic because each topic in and of themselves is so messy yeah. and unstructured and uh, it's almost like a, a a nebulous cloud that you can't bring shape or form to it. And it's designed that way. They designed to take these very simplistic, it's really simple, you know, come in legally, get your paperwork. We track you, we provide you with certain things. You have to do certain things. You have to pay taxes and then you get your chance to become a citizen. That, that's the simple part of it. You know, Donald Trump knew that there were clearly plans in place to try to do what's happening right now. Right. And, and he decided he wanted to build a wall. And they refused to give him $5 billion when he first started to build the wall. And then by the time he actually won all his lawsuits, he only had you know, 18 months left to build 400 miles of wall. And he did. But then they say, well, he didn't even finish his wall. Well, no shit. You stopped him the whole way through. Right. And, but I think the design of that was to, to put a dent in. Because imagine if those 400 miles weren't there. Oh, yeah. Imagine what would happen to this country? It would be like zombie apocalypse. Yeah. There would just be people coming all over the place. There's not enough men at this uh, border patrol to handle what they're doing now, exactly. let alone 
the shit show that would have been had there been 400 miles of open land that they could just easily cross. Great. Now there's a river. And the difference is, is and, and what is really important to dis discern here is that this isn't people sneaking in at night undetected. This is people walking across in the middle of the day going, hey, I'm here. And our government saying, you are going to take them mm -hmm. and you're going to process them, quote unquote, process them. And you're going to send them across the country to places that they can go and you know, reintegrate. Yeah, it's, it's intentional. So it's not yes, it is. it's not it used to be Border Patrol was they were sneaking in. We we're fighting them. It was just this cloak and dagger cat and mouse thing. This is mm -hmm. literally just organized, organized migration. Absolutely. Without any rules or regulation. We saw we see it in Europe. I, I was remarking when the first boat started coming across from Libya and I noticed everybody had a brand new life jacket. They were 50 uh, rigid hulls, inflatables. Um, uh, with brand new, uh, mercury motors, everybody was well-fed. It wasn't like the Cuban Marilitos. Remember that where they were lashing coolers yep. together. Yep. This was actually planned. And the same thing with these convoys that we've seen where they show where the, uh, the media tries to show them as walking, they're being trucked up and fed and showered and, you know, given clothes and, and sleeping arrangements. It's so contrived that Nobody's figured it out. Who's paying for it? Let's get on to this real quick, though, on this on this planning. You know, you, you're so close to retirement. We talked earlier on this topic. We had a couple local incidents in my my area where violent felons, one was a juvenile, got back out, went to a graduation party, shot up the party with an illegal firearm, was arrested and released on his own recognizance. Then just the other day, there was a murder of an 80 year old woman by a felon who was released from jail and had a had a firearm and got a 15 year old to go with him. And they killed and probably or probably terrorized and killed this old lady. Part of my research into this, Matt, and, and I would like you to speak to this. I just started looking into who's responsible for these for these bails, who, who sets this. And I realized then it wasn't my state attorney. It was the magistrates. I was noticing that there had to be some type of communication from the courts, the Supreme courts in all the states down to the magistrates about what were the new bills and charges and things. And, and it, you hit on that. Would you touch on that topic? Because I think the average listener does not understand how easy it is to communicate through 50 states, through their magistrates about these sentencing guidelines, because I was one of those people that was ignorant to it. And when I saw that stuff happen in New York, I thought, good, keep it there, you know, in New York City. And then suddenly it's in my hometown. So it used to be in Pennsylvania, which I call the People's uh, Republic of Pennsylvania. Um, it used to be, and it was up until, you know, the last six years, eight years, where the magistrates had a lot of autonomy when it came to setting bail. Right. And... There, each magistrate in each local municipality answers to a county president judge and magistrates aren't aren't lawyers they're elected officials that could be a shop teacher or a stay-at-home mm -hmm. mom as long as they get elected and they go through the judge school and they qualify they can be the magistrate um and then they're they're over they're, there was oversight from the president judges an actual judge for a county right um and then you know they were giving guidance from the the, the state Supreme court and, and other entities that, that control um, case law. And so 
that was always pretty, you always knew on certain judges or some judges that were heavy on drug crimes that they would set higher bails. And so you always knew when you were going to take a, a bad guy for arraignment, if it wasn't your, your home judge, if it was like after hours and it was whoever the on-call judge was, who the, what they're, they, they were typically doing. Well, now there's been, um, inwardly, but there's been um, mandates sent down from the counties to the magistrates that were any bails set above X number, if you set a bail for higher than $10,000, that your case, how you handle that as the judge, just on, it's an arraignment. It's not like you, you're hearing case law. It's just literally, what right. are the facts of the case? What does typically case law state for the, the requirements for this? Are you a flight risk? Do you, you know, whatever, are the mitigating circumstances? Here's your bail. Right. Um, these, these, the county officials, whoever it is, whether it's the president judge or someone within the, the DA's office is reviewing. Um, it's called, I think it's pretrial services here in Pennsylvania and Montgomery County um, is reviewing magistrates bail hearings, which is basically Monday morning quarterbacking these judges who at for most of their career, and you know, a lot of judges stay on for a long while, had had some level of autonomy. Right. And it's becoming a giant pain in the ass. And there's a lot of second guessing and, and questioning and advising and giving them their opinions on how they should have done it differently. And in the future, we want you to think, think about this and that and the other thing. So now it's getting to the point where judges are like, you know what? I just want to sign high bail. That way I don't get bothered. You know, they're not, it's not a, a taxing job to be a magistrate, but they certainly don't want to work any more than they need to. Right. And if every time they, they have an arraignment, it gets second guessed, it's going to become a pain in the ass. So why do that? So now everybody's getting a lower bail. But you know what doesn't make sense on it is that I can see lower bail for a non-injury um, uh, uh, accident or, uh, um, you know, a non-violent offense, right? DUI, they should, they should be held for a while. That's just my opinion on that. But on the violent offenders, to think that they would release and they have released and are releasing people with attempted murder charges and even first degree murder back on the streets. I'm like, what the fuck is that? You know, that's, it's absolutely insane. Here's what I know for sure. For certain. If you are elected, you are potentially corrupted. Yeah. So there is, you know, I'm not an elected official. I'm hired based on my qualification. I remain employed based on my abilities. I don't believe, and, I, and I've, I've said this, from, this is since I became a cop, I don't understand how a judge is an elected position. I know why it is in, in my own twisted conspiracy theory mind, why all these things are electable. They're electable so that there can be manipulation and pressure uh -huh. placed on them to do certain things if they want to maintain the support of the party, the support of their, their PACs, the support of the people that are funding their dinners and helping them with fundraising it's mm -hmm. all once you're in you're beholden and that's yeah. at every level yeah whether you're a school board member or not but if you're in a position and i always you know i tell people all the time that you know if you think about what happened with with covid and hospitals being incentivized to mm -hmm. declare certain things covid or to put people on ventilators or to and and money was being given from the federal government to these private entities these hospitals and if you think about how 
as an administrator of a hospital, I would, I, I know most hospitals don't run with a surplus. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. They run break even all the time because that's, that's how they want it. So they can qualify for certain funding and things like that. Imagine if you're an administrator and you got free money coming in and all you have to do is write do paperwork a certain way. Yeah, exactly. And then you put pressure on your uh, head of your emergency department or head of your infectious disease. And you say, I need as many COVID cases as possible, positive COVID cases or positive COVID deaths. Or if anybody even remotely looks like they're going to have struggle, put them on a ventilator. I don't know if that's, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I know that it happened. I just don't know whether or not personally if it's true. But imagine if you incentivize that, how corrupted that could possibly be. Imagine if you incentivized police officers to make arrests. What if they would have had COVID money for cops? Yeah, right. For police departments to, in order to uh, crack down on whatever crime that was coming out of COVID, you know, mask, uh, you know, people that are making masks and, and not reporting the earnings or whatever. I don't, who knows? Whatever they, they wanted to sick cops on. And then money was given to that department for every time they made an arrest on that. Could you ever trust law enforcement again? No. Imagine at all. judges who are being, you know, judges get incentivized all the time. Lawyers, they have their judges. Listen, I know the game. The game is, and I'll tell you one example. I was in a, when I was a young cop, I made an arrest and it was a drug arrest. It was a good solid arrest. Um, and I go to the hearing and there's a lawyer sitting there and I know the guy and the judge comes down and he goes, did you have a chance to talk with defense counsel? I said, no, I got a pretty solid case. I don't think I really need to talk to defense counsel. He goes, ah, I think you should. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not, I'm good. So I go to the hearing, put my hearing on rock solid judge throws everything out. This is a magistrate. And I'm just like dumbfounded. And I look at him and he goes, I'll see you in my chambers. And I walk in, I'm like, judge, what in the fuck was that? He goes, next time I tell you to speak to defense counsel, speak to defense counsel. It wasn't a recommendation. I said, oh, okay. So I recognized who the lawyer was. I'm like, there must be some level of, of it. reciprocity happening. Yeah. And uh, every time I ever had that lawyer, I walked up to him and like, what do you need? Because I knew that I was never going to win a case in front of that judge with that lawyer if I didn't somehow make some concessions. And that's the game. That's always been the game. It's been that game my, all, my entire career and every judge I've ever been with. They have their lawyers that they like that probably give money to their campaigns. And right. I'm not saying they're corrupt. I'm just saying that's the game. That's the way the system's rigged. Yep. And if yep. that's the way the system is rigged, then it can be completely bastardized with just a little tweak. Get one bad guy in there and they run it to the ground. And that's, that's how that, that happens. That's how this whole system of ours goes to shit. That's how CRT and all this other shit, you know, putting kitty litter boxes. We have a school district in, in my area that has kitty litter boxes in the bathrooms because there's a, a kid that identifies as a fucking cat and they let him <laughs> pee and pit shit in a fucking cat <laughs> box in the bathroom. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Not, I'm not making that up. That's a real Oh, thing. I know. I know that's the insanity we're at now. And you're right. It, what was the one thing that I, I, I was researching uh, and, and just, you know, for our show, 
And I, again, I ran across some stuff with Hunter Biden. We both know he was kicked out of the Navy, got the appointment that other more qualified people had as a reserve officer due to his daddy's thing. And then snorting some blow in Norfolk. He's uh, he drug test pops and they quietly kick his ass out. But part of his scam there was he was trying to get closer to the money. He was in the press corps. Um, and I think he was just trying to get closer to the money, the the graft and corruption. But one of the things that was uh, in this article was that um, Hunter had bought a firearm, lied on the forms and uh, the, the gun shop um, raised some concerns. I think the press got a hold of it. And then, unfortunately, two guys posing as or, or active Secret Service agents went down there to try to grab the paperwork from the gun shop guy. Luckily, he had a set of balls and he said, fuck you. This is not your paperwork. This is for the ATF. Well, ATF ends up coming down, getting the paperwork and nothing ever happened to him. But you're right. You're right. Our system depends upon uh, it, this corruption has, has just magnified. We've seen it as you saw it. Or, or have probably have heard about it too, you know, with the teams, look at Melgar. And then when I yep. first remember uh, watching one of your podcasts, you were interviewing uh, Joe Price's sister on some of the nefarious shit that happened with his suspicious death. Just like Epstein, I don't believe Price killed himself either. Um, no. And, and but, the funny thing about that, and just to give people an update on that, yeah, is, is I, you know, I put hundreds and hundreds of hours of investigation into that. And for many reasons, I'm no longer involved on an active level because of just some roadblocks that were put in my way, not with his sister or Job's family um, that, you know, I was putting myself at risk. I was getting threats from anonymous sources. Definitely seal that a couple seals actually reach out to me and tell me to back off. Wow. Um, I didn't know them. They reached out, found me on social media. And, um, and I'm not, I'm not intimidated by anybody, but you know, I, what was my upside? <laughs> I yeah. had the upside other than giving peace to a family that, that needed some answers, but I didn't have, I wasn't getting paid to do this. I was doing it because I graduated high school with Job and I've known him since we were 13 years old. And right. um, I knew that his death didn't sit right, but I proved that his, he did at, at the least, at the very least, no determination could be made. Yeah. Zero, because there were so many problems with the investigation just on crime scene. Um, every, any, everything from the minute NCIS came on scene to the final report was blundered chain of custody and, and protocols were broken chain of custody was broken yep so there was absolutely yep. zero chance that they could definitively say anything because there's no way they can prove any piece of that evidence was from what they say it was from because there was no chain of custody right well, and with that there should be a reopening of the investigation but the navy won't for many reasons mostly because job's wife is not allowing it to happen Right. Um, she's the one that asked me to stop. And because wow. I was getting too close to a couple of things that um, were bothering her. And uh, you know, at the end, I just said, it's not, it's not worth my sanity and my wife and, and kids safety. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Press, press up a, a ball up the hill or rock up the hill and it could come back down and crush me. So, um, but, but you're right. Then the government, I am an American. I love America. I would die for this country. I would not die for this government. Yep, exactly. I would not commit treason for this government. I would not violate my constitutional oath to this government. I am, um, you know, when you talked about that FBI agent that refused to participate in, in these raids, there is absolutely zero chance, not one iota, that I would ever, 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 ever participate, not only participate, 
but I would actively fight against those types of actions. Right. Because I believe it is, you know, if nothing else, and, and, and I don't want to get too deep into January 6th um, because it's, it's so nonsensical. Yeah. I will answer the one point. You did ask a question earlier and I didn't answer the question about the, the Capitol Police. And I will just frame it this way. When I looked at, at the Capitol situation and I, I looked at the um, ineptitude of that day, if you think about it, everybody in the continuation of our government, from the president down to the 16th person on the list of continuation of government, was in the same place, the same time, on the same day. And the best that our government could come up with on a plan in a city that literally is the capital of protests is to put a couple hundred Capitol police and, and bike patrol agent, uh, bike patrol guys from DC police in a loosely guarded perimeter around the United States Capitol building with what amounts to bike gates yeah. as barriers and the orange construction uh, vinyl, you know, two and a half foot high, uh, don't cross here because it's, you might fall into a, a, a pit of concrete. Um, that was the best that they could come up with. And I look at that and I don't, I don't think our government and our, our federal government in any way um, geniuses, but I've been a part of planning large mass events. And I can tell you that even for the dumbest shit, there's all kinds of planning going on. Yeah. For no other reason than to do it. Exactly. Right. To give yes, them sir. something to do. Yep. Not because they're worried about anything. They do it just to do it, to look busy, to look like they're accomplishing something. So the fact that they didn't do this was an intentional thing. They intended to not have a plan. And, and when you think about how close our country actually came to, not because of what happened or anybody involved on January 6th, but what if some nefarious foreign entity, you know, some evil terrorist organization or some evil corrupt government took advantage knowing that everybody was going to be there on that day and their intelligence says that our government isn't doing shit to plan for it and they do something that could destroy the entire continuation of government what is set up so that if there's ever a mass event that maybe one of those people weren't there so they could keep one person like the secretary of commerce or something wasn't there but right. imagine that imagine what could have happened January 6th was not an insurrection. It was a dust up. It was a, uh, a large mass scale party that got a little bit out of hand on some levels, but mostly from people who were not there to be patriots, but to create problems. Um, but I don't believe, I, I don't look at it necessarily from what happened inside and, and all that. I look at it for how did it even get to there? Yeah. And then uh, one last point. Yeah. I'm a, I have a huge problem um, with the lack of due process. Yep. Yes, sir. And I will say that the single greatest, the single worst piece of legislation that has ever been passed outside of the Civil Rights Act is the Patriot Act. Yep. That is what is keeping, that is what is allowing our federal government to treat American citizens as terrorists. Yep. With in, indefinite detention. With impunity. Yeah, with without due process, without a without a court case, I mean it's 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 a mockery of justice, total mockery, and that's the other part too. Then we talk about Ashley Babbitt 
you know, if you looked at that hallway scene, it was an anarchy. Those SWAT cops were right behind her. Why didn't that guy push her if out? They were actually SWAT cops. Well, they weren't. What were they? If they were, I don't know what they were. Because yeah. I can tell you right now, I saw every angle of that from all the cell phone video. Yeah. Lack of response. Yeah. From law, from uniform law enforcement. Right. To an active shooter. And then also then a, a crime scene. And then crime scene containment from law and supposed law enforcement. They, they, there was, you couldn't have done less. Yeah. Yeah. Than what they did. They didn't do anything that they're trained to do. And, and that to me says one of two things, either they put the most inept human beings in the department in one of the most volatile areas of this siege, quote unquote, oh, that's a good or point. they weren't there or they weren't cops. They were role players. One of the two. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I can just tell you that as a cop of 29 and a half years and who did 14 years as SWAT and then four and a half years doing counterterrorism for the Federal Air Marshal Service, I did 18 and a half years of special operations. I can tell you how I would react. Yeah. And if that's the role they were in, they were in that level of gear to make it appear as if that's what their role was. I can tell you they didn't do anything. Nothing. Yeah, they were just wandering around with the crowd at that point. That's why it looked like, hey, okay, we're walking with the crowd up here. And then, and then the guy in a suit and a bunch of people with hoods were treating uh, the victim actually about it. Yeah. For an alleged bullet wound or a neck where there was no blood. It's a weird situation all around, isn't it? I have yeah. my doubts, doubts on that as well. Here's why, and I'm just going to throw this up just because I could fuck with people. Yeah, do it. I believe Ashley Babbitt died. I don't believe that was Ashley Babbitt. And I don't believe that was Ashley Babbitt dying. I believe Ashley Babbitt died that day. I don't know where or how. Yeah. Not in that. It wasn't in that hallway. And it wasn't from a gunshot wound from uh, a guy that was, you know, had no reason to shoot anybody. And from a guy that never, ever got prosecuted. Yeah. For shooting an unarmed person. Um, simply because the crime scene did not show a shooting to the neck it did not present itself physiologically or situationally as it being what they said it was i believe actually babbitt's dead i just don't know how she died or when she died or where she died yeah interesting interesting that's just my my conspiracy theory brain goes out there in tinfoil hat here we go people (laughs) <laughs> um, but I like to do that every once in a while. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, you know what? You, we both know you can't believe what the media is saying, the lamestream media. You can't trust a government narrative. I mean, we could get into COVID again and the big lie that that's been and then chasing that one offshore and trying to put it on Wuhan instead of my backyard um, where it originated as a way as a cover. But Matt, tell us, Matt, a bit more about what you're seeing. You know, part of the articles and again, all these municipalities, cities, counties, sheriff's departments are trying to field officers and no one wants to be a cop. I don't blame them. What's the general take on the streets? Well, it's, there is, everybody's got a manpower shortage. Um, nobody wants to do the job. Um, nobody wants to do the job anymore where they have a higher risk of being fucked over. Right. That's typically in places where there is a higher crime rate. And in those places, typically they are run by you know, Democrat rule. So 
um, you know, the city of Philadelphia, which is right near where I'm at. And, uh, you know, they are short staffed. They are dysfunctional. They are unhappy. The morale, a lot of friends that are Philly cops and morale is low. Um, you know, there's not as many guys making proactive arrests. They're just responding and, and dealing with the calls that they're getting. They're not out there actively stopping crime before it becomes a call um, because it's, it's a lot of risk that they're putting on themselves because the, they have a target on their back, not just from the bad guy, but from the people above them. And just like in the military, um, you know, you look at what happened with all the wokeism in the military. My son is a, is a victim of, of the, the vaccine mandate. And my son chose to um, drop out of college in his freshman year in this beginning of the spring semester because he had a four-year, a three-year uh, ROTC scholarship. Oh, wow. University of Maryland. And uh, they said if he doesn't get his vaccine, he had gotten a um, religious exemption from the college. But um, at this point in time, the army hadn't said anything to him. Right. His commander had given him a lot of shit. But um, other than that, the army as a whole hadn't put down anything that said that he had to had to get it before he actually graduated from college. We get, we get brought him back on a Saturday. By Tuesday, he had gotten an email from his commander stating that uh, the United States Army had come down and said all cadets in the ROTC program countrywide, nationwide would have to have their uh, vaccine by the end of the spring semester Gosh. or else lose their scholarships. So my son, you know, we sat down, we, we looked at it and, you know, I'm not vaccinated. No one in my family is um, because we all had COVID and we all have antibodies. So we believe God provided us with that ability to fight off infection. So we're using that. Um, and I also have doubts on the, the validity of the vaccine, but my son, I told him, I said, these are, these are how I see things. You know, if you decide to try to get an exemption, which you're not going to get, cause you're not giving them out. But if you did get a, a religious exemption, you would be non-deployable because you wouldn't just be able to get it for COVID. You would have to get it across the board, which means you joining the army to stay in garrison to never fight a war. I said, I don't know if that's really what you signed up for. Right. I said, the only other option is if you really believe in in serving your country at this point in time in your life, then you got to get the jab. You know, I got a lot of things shoved inside my body. You right. know, anthrax vaccine, which is experimental. I had to take um, potassium bromide pills that are caused me to have fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis mm. uh, and IBS and many other things that I'm now suffering with or been suffering with. So, but I would go back and do it all over again because when I went in the military, it was the heyday of it. It was brilliant. It was love. I, I loved every second of it. I'd go through all of this all over again, but I would never join the military today. No, me either. My son said, go fuck yourself and dropped out of college, burned away $200,000 of free education and has his pride and dignity. And you know, he's on to bigger and better things. So I think that in the point of all this is I believe that the, the wokeism we're seeing at the highest levels from the joint chiefs of staff down to each, each unit, the generals and colonels and lieutenant colonels and majors and captains in these levels are being um, indoctrinated while they are in West Point, while they're in what, an ROTC. And as they achieve one or two rank promotions, they're being chosen based on their personality profiles. They're how they are able to accommodate and bend and meld and follow yeah. orders and they're being steered towards this direction and they're being indoctrinated with all this nonsense. And by the time, you know, 10, 12 years go by, these, these guys are now senior level officers 
who are dictating policy and procedure in units. And it takes time for that to happen. It doesn't happen overnight. General Milley didn't become General Milley because he liked his, he likes transvestites and, and, yeah. and, and looks like a like drag that. queen. Yeah. Yeah. It happened over time and it was cultivated and planned and executed. And I think that's the same thing that's happening in police work. Mm-hmm. I believe there are, um, especially in big cities where they have, you know, once you get to a certain level, it's not a merit-based promotion, it's political. Yeah, exactly. And, and those are those are the ones that are being, you know, told what to do as far as direction they want the department to go into. And they're finding the, the people in the, the hungry ones that want to rise to the top faster maybe than their, their skill set would allow. And they're being promoted based on their ability to execute on plans. Yes, and exactly. I think what you're seeing in Philadelphia and New York and Chicago and, and, and many other cities across the country is that internal plan being activated and part, you know, guys like me, I would never survive. I'd be targeted and, and arrested if I worked in one of those places. Yeah. Luckily I don't. Well, and, and mm-hmm. there are a lot of guys like me that I know that are being targeted. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, well, kudos to your son for having the foresight to see and the ins- or the insight to see that what what good is all of that if you're if if you stand the risk and they're they're not reporting these days what I call SADS and what others have labeled it before me southern sudden adult death syndrome. They're having kids falling over on the fields. We've seen the soccer players, but now uh, there's actually some social media groups where they use code words to report about who's died recently from the shots. Uh, Just the other day in the news from Canada, the mom was up there getting her, her shot at the store. She told her daughter, come get your second daughter said, nah, mom, I'm done with those 15 minutes after she got her vax, she dropped dead into the pharmacy. They make them wait 15 minutes now. And she freaking fell over dead. So, you know, we're, I've met, I don't know if I told you this, but a while back, I'd say, oh, 2021, the tail end, I was flying, doing a lot of traveling. I met a, a, a heart surgeon uh, in the uh, airport lounge and uh, they indicated that uh, they're seeing high rates of infants born with lack, with circulatory issues, missing fingers and toes, born purple, all kinds of stuff. I personally know an individual who's uh, uh, lost a, a baby or his daughter lost a baby because uh, she had the backs and then another one was born early and luckily that one lived. But, you know, we were just, we are just at the beginning of realizing how bad this is going to oh, get yeah. for people and, and they're hiding the data again, which is just deplorable. Where do you think this goes, Matt? You know, part of the thing I look at it with the police force is we heard about Obama's shirt or Obama's police force, the brown shirts, I call them. And in my, my thought on this is that they need to make it as bad as they can fucking make it. And it's, is violent out on the streets for the average Joe. And if the average Joe fights back and defends himself, well, he's not getting any fucking bail because he shot one of the criminals they let out, which they don't want to have that. And so what it looks like they're trying to do is make it so fucking bad that all the good cops quit or refuse to work the job so they can bring in all these fucking criminals and, and bring in their ideal police force. What are your thoughts on where you're seeing this go? 
Well, I, I mean, I, I, it's no different than the, the border crisis. I mean, yeah, you know, it's it's an orchestrated migration in the South, and it's an orchestrated um, release of violent criminals into society in order to create mass chaos. Yep. And when you have cops, and then and then when action is taken against mass chaos, you find ways to to make cops look like the bad guy because we can always just change the narrative. We can make up, down, love, hate, good, bad hero now means, you know, grocery store clerk, whatever. We can change yeah. that narrative definitions whenever we want. You know, we can say it's a recession, but no, it's not a recession because we changed the definition, whatever. I don't believe that there's ever going to be anything that is, and I think, I think it's hilarious because I'm just, it's like, it's like a monkey fucking a football, right? It's just, you're just looking at this going, what in the fuck? How many more things can they possibly, oh, there's another one. Yes. So, but I look at them, they, they want to make it so untenable. Yes. And, and such a, an uneasy job to continue to wake up every day and go do with some level of confidence and passion. Ultimately, I, what I truly believe is that they want to make a national police force. I think they want to do away with individual municipal and they want to federalize law enforcement uh, in, in municipal I want, I think they don't, I don't think, I think the 87,000 new agents for IRS was literally just a, a litmus test to see what they could get away with. And yeah. I think that's ultimately where this is heading is a desire to federalize law enforcement across the country and, and get rid of municipal and city police departments. Ah, okay. Well, that's insightful. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's just like anytime the government tells you they're, that they're not going to do something that's what their intentions are to begin with remember the it's usually the, two uh, to three years in advance they're, they're telling you they're not yeah we're not planning to do this or we right. will not raise taxes yeah or oh, uh, yeah we had raised taxes sure the intelligence apparatus these systems are for overseas only and now they're grabbing every fucking bit of data and they're they're bit like you said building the algorithms here's a i want you to touch on this real quick because i know put on your conspiracy hat if you look at the last few evil fucking shooters, these these murderers that are attacking innocent civilians, and you start realizing I know exactly that, where you're going with this too. Okay. <laughs> so you, you look at these, you look at these fucking whack jobs that are already emotionally and mentally unstable. And now let's throw in some new technology called the internet and the algorithms. And we know through our searches that suddenly, like if we're still on Facebook, we see that if we look up, let's say chihuahuas, the next thing will be, Hey, here's a chihuahua sweater, you know, or, you know, here's some shoes for your chihuahua. Hey, Paris Hilton has this chihuahua, you know, it'll be about those things in the same way with these gamers. A lot of these guys are gamers. They're probably under psychiatric care or have been should be. And then we, we get to the power that nobody wants to talk about, which is the subliminal type stuff that you can do with the internet, with all these things that appear to be coincidental, but yet it's monitoring what you're looking at, trying to feed you this stuff. Part of what I think that we've seen with these individuals has been the, uh, oh, what was a CIA project that were, they were trying to create these- MK, uh, MK Ultra. Yep. Turn, flip a switch and there's your assassin. And suddenly we're seeing their, their, their ability to touch more people and find those loose cannons. Like the guy, like all of these shootings recently have gone fucking cold, right? The supermarket guy. We're, what the fuck is happening with him? He should be shot. You the know, that drives through the Wisconsin, the, the guy that drives the car through the, the parade at Christmas. Yes. How about the other guy that was on the rooftop dressed as a girl and, sh and killed, murdered those people? Where, yeah. what's your, where is that story? 
So tell me, what do you think is, is driving these demented individuals? And what's your thoughts on that? Well, human behaviors, like I said, is my specialty and understanding the simplicity of the human mind. We are no different than a dog. We are motivated by food, praise, yep. or pain. Those are the three things that keep the world going around. That's how we are all trained. That's how we react and respond. Those are, everybody's got their own thing that gets them. Some have multiples. Um, so I don't think it's, a, the brain is complex, but it's not complex to, to, sh to short circuit. If there is, if, if you use very simple algorithms with social media, especially if you are tying the internet in, because now gaming isn't just simply you playing your Atari in your house, it's your online playing a bunch of people from all over the world who may be um, CIA agents playing against you. Right. And they're getting to know more about it. You're talking to each other on the headsets. And there's all this ability, these different areas in which they can gain intel from potential shooters, we'll quote unquote. And they're using this to, to get create like a, um, a profile on, on yep. we'll say the Uvalde shooter. And then they'll take that profile and figure out whether he's a praise, pain, or food, right? Yeah. How do we get this guy to be motivated? And how do we get him to trust and then short circuit? Um, and it's not, it's not a complex problem. It's actually a rather simple thing to do. I've done it in very short tests on Instagram, just on Instagram posts and videos, getting people to who I know believe one thing to get them to believe another thing in less than three hours worth of viewing shit, I can, I can shift their, their mindset. And it's not hard to do when you have somebody who is, you know, whether they're, they're mental illness, whether it's um, mommy, daddy issues, whether it's anger issues, whether it's um, a desire to inflict pain, you find out what their thing is and you take that and you, you crack it. And then you use that crack to permeate them with thoughts. Right. And those thoughts then become the thing that they think about morning, noon, and night. And then there's a trigger mechanism, just like in, in hypnosis that you use that is implanted in that, that process. Once the crack happens, you implant that trigger and that trigger then creates um, the action. And it's, the best part about all this is, is they foreshadowed all this. Yep. The Michael Bourne's, the, the Jason Bourne series was literally what they did to him is essentially what is happening, I believe, just like you were mentioning to these, these uh, mass shooting spree people, the, the school shooters, the ones that go into businesses, anybody that's involved in those things. They, they are, I believe, um, CIA operatives that they don't know they are, they're unwitting participants in um, CIA missions. And I believe the CIA is the most evil, corrupt, worse than Nazi Germany. Yeah. Because I, I believe the CIA, I believe the CIA learned everything that the Nazis did. Yep. Because people forget, we brought in hundreds of Nazis. They were in charge. They were the head of NASA. Yep. They were the head of NATO. They were like, we brought Nazis in and put them in the highest places in medicine and science and education because the Nazis were brilliant motherfuckers. We're like, wow, we don't have to create our own. We can take these guys and we can put them in our government. Do you think that those mindsets of the Nazi 
didn't permeate its way into our government. Yeah, exactly. And let's just one last final thing. I believe, and I said this seven years ago, that we are, and actually learned it, it was right during after Barack Obama got, because I thought he was the Antichrist. I still do. Um, that we are now, we are about to enter the Fourth Reich. And I believe it's from within. And that the United States of America, in conjunction with NATO, is actually the Fourth Reich. I believe the entire European Union with NATO and the United States is collectively the Fourth Reich. Huh, interesting. Interesting. Because of all these countries brought in all these nazis yeah and that they just literally just absorbed them into their government it's the most evil corrupt regime in the history of the world and we brought in the there was only 26 29 that were at the at the hague that were that, that were convicted of war crimes yeah it's a very small number right the rest of them either escaped or were brought into other countries to be big parts of their government. That's exactly. Not, that's not conspiracy theory. That's real. That happened. Absolutely. The OSS, the precursor to the yep. CIA, is the one that brought them in. And all of those yep. cruel, demonic experiments that Mengele and others did, they took that data oh, yeah. and they continued oh, some yeah. of the, the bullshit. That's just disgusting. But yeah, I, I tell you, so I, I, that's good to hear I'm not alone on that because in looking at creating the conditions, we know that the agencies practiced on the people and who's to say this isn't a, a great big mind fuck as well that we we're seeing out there. And uh, as you know, with our PSYOPs battalion, you know, shaping public uh, thoughts and narratives and, and all kinds of things is just part of the battle plan. In fact, I thought I saw something in the news that uh, I forget which group was suing the government for information on how the military might have had a hand in the COVID stuff. Uh, with the censorship, but the military psyops unit itself and their efforts at trying to silence people like ourselves who were saying this COVID's bullshit, it's a fucking bioweapon, and people need to be hung from trees because they conspired against humanity to release this thing, whether it happened stateside or around the world, to, to know our government conspired to create a bioweapon with a, uh, China as, as somehow they're, they're cool now, you know, and that it would never get out. I just don't, and I don't probably for another, another episode, but I mean, let's <laughs> not even begin to talk about the amount of United States land territory, especially near above water sources and near military bases that is being bought up by China and Bill Gates. Yeah. It, well, the two, we, probably two of the largest landowners in the world of the United States land are the people's Republic of China and Bill Gates. And how is that not a problem that we would be concerned about a communist nation buying no. space? near military bases. Oh, there's nothing to see here. It's just, you know, good feelings. You know, we're, we're friends now. I don't get it, brother, but. Because what they do is they'll, they'll put them under some LLC and they say, oh, it's, it's not, it's not the people's Republic. It's Shanghai incorporated. Well, Shanghai incorporated is, is owned by the CCP. There's nothing, there's no private enterprise in China. It's all a, a arm or a tentacle of the CCP, you know, that there's no such thing as private enterprise. Yeah, exactly. The government has a piece of it all. And that's why, you know, it's even though China is not necessarily communist anymore, it's certainly an oligarchy where the, the power brokers control the, the, the governmental arm and then all of the money flows up. Exactly. None goes sideways and none goes down. It's just like I laugh too when people say, oh, they're Chinese students. 
how quickly do they, they become a soldier when they get as soon as they get yeah, back yeah. home right so yeah and let's not oh and, and swalwell banging fang fang and he's still in the, in the house intelligence committee yeah so. how does that work how does that how does that happen well matt i tell you what it's been awesome having you on here. And like you say, let's do another one here in the future and talk about some more stuff. We go deeper into these mm-hmm. topics and, uh, yeah. but any, and, uh, you know, we thank you for your service. I know you're real close to retirement and looking forward to hearing how things go. And, uh, we'll be praying for you and your, uh, all the officer safety out there in the U S we appreciate what they're, what you and, uh, all the officers are doing and all the good cops. I can only say this. If, if anybody from the agencies are listening to this podcast, you good guys on the force have got to blow the whistle regardless. You've got to speak out on the corruption. You've got to call it out. You've got to leak it out. My email is news at firstteamamerica.com. I'll get that shit out. I don't play with gag orders or none of that bullshit. I'll get it out somehow. You should too. If you're seeing the corruption, speak about it. Get it out. Matt, any final words? Listen, man, I just love, I love what you're doing. I love what you're about. I love your conviction. Um, I obviously have a few barriers around me that keeps me from going too far in certain directions, but I, um, you know, I've been uh, pretty much banned from every social media. So there's no, I don't really have much of an audience space anymore. Um, but you weren't so effective. You wouldn't be banned. <laughs> Think of that's it. That's true. You know, um, if anybody wants to reach out to me, you can email me at matt at mattkubler.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, in closing, thanks everybody. This first team America signing off. God bless you and your families and God bless this country. We're out. Hey, Matt, I'm going to stop this recording here.